Richardson takes it all. A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson. Really? He could be in here. He's all alone. He's gone. Sensation at Wembley from Sunderland. McKinney. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland preview show. Three wins in four league games leave Sunland in a pretty healthy position as we head into probably our biggest game of the season so far, where we welcome Gareth Ainsworth and his Wickham Wanderers side to the stadium alike. We are recording prior to both sides' midweek cup ties, but I'm sure most of you will agree that Saturday is the big one and in truth, the cup game is a bit of a distraction. Um, there's a little bit of bad blood between Sunland and Wickham, a little bit of niggle since we last met, but to talk us through what we can expect from a very much informed Wickham Wanderers side this weekend is Tom from Wickham site JJ's left foot. Tom, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Not bad, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. It's absolutely fine. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on, mate. But um, we'll start straight from the top, I guess. Uh, your last league game was a 1-0 home win over... I know they haven't had a great start, but playoff hopefuls Lincoln on Saturday. Uh, that took you into second in the table, obviously joint top. How did you assess the win at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, that was... I mean, it's only been four games in, but that was clearly our best performance of the season by quite a distance. Um you know, just extremely intense pressing. And yeah, it, things are still clicking. Um, there's still players to come back as well. We've been pretty badly beaten up by injuries early weeks. But uh, yeah, that was a, the kind of performance that you think we should be competing, you know, at the sharp end of the table this season and uh, early days. But uh, yeah, that was uh, there was plenty of positives to take from that. And uh, as 1-0 wins go, pretty convincing, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously it's your... Your third win in four, with the other result being obviously a last gasp, the last gasp which is quite hard to say actually, and um, draw <laughs> at Wigan. Um, it's fair to say it's been a near perfect start to the season for, for you boys after coming down. How would you sum up Wigan's start to the campaign early doors as it is? Yeah, I think uh, I will, uh, full disclosure, I haven't actually double checked this, but I believe this is our joint best start to a season at this level. Um, uh, really, that's the, you know, you can't really ask for any more than that. A uh, few holes in defence in the first few games, but again, we have been a bit affected by injury there. Um, you know, we switched to a three-at-the-back system towards the end of last season. Lost Jason McCarthy after the first game, um, who would ordinarily play at right wing back, and, you know, we kind of had to throw other players in. And it's, you know, throwing things off a little bit but yeah generally you know it's been a strong start um I don't think anyone at this stage is absolutely motoring and fully in their stride uh but to be up there and to be among them joint you know among the top scorers in the league um yeah that, that's probably the most pleasing thing actually the volume of goals because a couple of years ago we tended to edge games you know it's really very much built on solid defensive foundations but we've been able to you know strengthen the squad and uh you know, it's just, it's a much higher, you know, no disrespect whatsoever to the squad that got us up, many of whom are still key players now, but uh, this is, 
arguably it's the strongest squad we ever had. I mean, last season realistically was it's a division higher, but certainly at this level, it's the strongest we've ever been. And I think the, the gap, obviously, between the Championship and, and League One, as much as I've tried to pretend it's not that big, is is getting wider. So it's like the quality of players you sometimes need for the Championship can fly in League One, which we've seen a, a few times. But going back to last season, while you did eventually get relegated, um, I think many outsiders expected Wickham to absolutely plummet and the start like you had indicated that that would probably happen. But come season end, I remember watching the, the Derby Chef Red game and there was, I'm sure there was half a chance of you, you staying up if, if things happened as it was. You you missed out narrowly by just a single point. While ultimately you went down, how much did you enjoy your time in the championship? Obviously the, the highest Wickham's ever been uh, in, the, in the history, I think. Yeah, so... Yeah, there was that. Obviously, it was a historic season. I mean, fans only got in for two games, um, you know, very limited numbers in that weird spell when, <laughs> you know, they went, oh, let's open everything up. Oh, that's a great idea, isn't it? Oh, look. Do you want some money for food for free? There you go. Oh, it's your yeah. fault. I can go back in lockdown. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that, but mostly it was I follow and, uh, you know, I think, yeah, overall, yeah. We tried our best to enjoy it, I think, but it was never going to be normal. Um, and as you say, technically not down to the last day. I think we would have had to beat Middles for 12 0. So that didn't quite happen. That was right. <laughs> um, that was right. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to say whether it was enjoyable or not. I guess it, the fact that we made it there was enjoyable and sort of, but, you know, I've said none of us really experienced it. We saw it, we didn't experience it. And, uh, I think that's kind of all the more reason to uh, to push on and go back up again this year. I know we'll come on to it because obviously it's it's something we should should probably touch on. But before I do, I remember watching the playoff final, um, Wickham against Oxford, and it was right around the time when we were really not used to behind closed doors games, and it was. I remember just being really odd and awkward and eerie. I think it was one of the first games played behind closed doors, especially at a big stadium. Um, Sunderland obviously watched their side last season at an empty Wembley and we won. It was Papa John's trophy, I think. Certainly not as prestigious as a playoff final, if we're completely honest. And that felt a bit weird, but did you kind of feel a little bit robbed of one of the like biggest moments in Wickham's history because of that? Yeah, I think that's kind of only natural. Um, and we've only, Before that, we'd only been to Wembley once since 1994. So the only, I've only, you know, I've only been old enough to go to one Wembley game and we lost on penalties to South End in the League Two playoff final. Uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of people would have liked to have had the experience to, you know, kind of manage that memory. But, uh, yeah, no, it was hard. Um, and that goes the other way as well. The players and management would have wanted the fans there as well. Obviously, both sides would have done. Um, yeah, so I guess we do, you do feel a little bit robbed in that sense. Um, but at the same time, I suppose you have to look at it and realise that everyone was in the same boat. I feel like, to be fair, Sky Sports were replaying the, the Wickham moment with um, Akin Fenwa on his knees for the entirety of the season. So you did get quite a few reminders, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty certain that was replayed quite a bit. And I remember thinking, again? Um, but we will go on to it before going to this season. Obviously, perhaps one of the... The moments of, of that period, the way you went up, 
and I'll include Sunderland fans, Fleetwood fans, were quite frustrated with how you went up because of the circumstances. I'm sure Wickham fans, I'm sure Sunderland fans listening, don't need to be reminded of why that was. Um, but from the outside looking in, it really seemed to like just add more to Wickham's armour, to be fair, if I'm completely honest, almost like a us-against-the-world attitude, which I think you almost had anyway because of Ainsworth. But how did Wickham fans view like opposition fans' eye? And not just Sunderland, obviously Fleetwood. I think there's a couple of teams that were a little bit... Uh, peeved off, shall we say, about the, the way that you went up. But how did Wickham fans sort of find it? Well, I'd say that overwhelmingly the uh, the ire came from a set of fans of a team in Cambridgeshire, um, <laughs> and maybe member of the uh, of the local press. Um, I think we just kind of I don't know. I think we just reveled in it in a way that fans tend to revel in being hated for whatever reason. Yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. You kind of have to, don't you? It's like because in a, in a way you can't be disappointed by it. If I'm if I'm going to be fair and take my son and glasses off, you can't be disappointed by it. And on the flip side, you might understand the frustration of it from other fans, but you can't really change it. So you might as well get on with it. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was nothing we did. You know. Most of the league voted to voted to end on that format. Um, it was only those sort of down the bottom and further up that I, I don't know. I, I did think generally there was a lot of sort of you know it's football. You know what it does to your emotions, but I think there was a lot of missing the bigger picture and that sometimes you know there is no fair solution. Uh, they were trying to deal with something that they never would have had to consider before. Um, you know, it's it's going to come up again. Of course it is, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, I definitely think it motivated us. So, like you say, we we already you know played the underdog card a lot. That's kind of what got us up from League Two, let alone up from League One. Um, yeah. Yeah. It definitely definitely spurred us on. I think you're right in saying that. I feel like it added to like the, the strengths of what Wickham have. I suppose in a sense as well, I think when it comes to that particular situation, one thing that a lot of people maybe got frustrated with was that they felt Wickham were on a downward spiral. But you can never really judge how a team is playing with, unless you're watching them for 90 minutes every week, which you obviously were, Tom. Um, truth be told, if the season had continued and, God, coronavirus hadn't happened, imagine a world without that. Um, do you think that Wickham would have gone up? I think we'd have made the playoffs. I think there was a little sort of stuttering run of wins and losses. Um, and I don't think, had you know, had we made the playoffs in normal circumstances, I don't see that it would have been any different. I think we'd still have gone in as the underdogs, maybe not quite so resented, but we tend to thrive on that. And um, I don't know, you, you can you can't you can never truly say, can you? But uh, yeah, it's a very hypothetical I... question I've asked there. I guess <laughs> I've, I've asked you an impossible question there, Tom, mate. To be honest. <laughs> I say, yeah, I would say I think so, and I am going to say that. But I think you know that underdog spirit would, you know, was there, was there throughout that season, um, and I think we'd have we'd have overcome a slightly rough patch, and uh, yeah, I, I I think the outcome would have been the same. Sometimes it feels destined, doesn't it? No matter how it comes, by hook or by crook, sometimes things like that feel destined to happen. And I think, yeah, obviously that season. One of the biggest surprises for me, and it's absolutely no disrespect to Wickham, because obviously I spoke about this at the time when Sunderland were linked to Gareth Ainsworth. 
Um, and I can't quite remember the guy's name I spoke to, but I remember him saying that, you know, if Ainsworth continues on this trajectory, that we're going to struggle to hang on to him. And for me, yeah, Wickham came down, but I expected you to plummet down, as I said before, and you really didn't. You got really close to staying up with a side that probably was punched above its weight, realistically. And it was based around that um, siege mentality, that us against the world mentality that you, the clubs seems to have and does naturally irk people. But that's your club's your club. You do what you do to win. But for me, Gareth Ainsworth is sort of, I'm surprised he hasn't been pulled by a championship club, at least. Um, Sunderland approached him two years or so ago and we went before Parkinson. Less of that, the better. Um, but are you surprised that no other club has come in for Ainsworth, considering how impressive he has been and how much he's he's just been great, hasn't he, let's be honest, for the past couple of years for, for Whitman? I don't know. It's tricky because, yeah, cl- cl- clubs have sniffed around. There were Barnsley and Lincoln as well. Um, you know, the latter definitely would have been a sideways move. But um, yes and no. I, I think in terms of the style, which is now evolving, but previously, you know, you see clubs, you know, increasingly recruiting based on style, just largely why Swansea went for Russell Martin, for example, recently. Um I don't think that, you know, that would have helped us because, you know, it's quite, it, it was quite an attritional style out of necessity because we didn't have the budget or anything to, you know, um, assemble the kind of squad that you really need to play something slicker anyway. Um, so partly that and partly just the culture and everything. I mean, it's one that he's built, but it's also one that he's completely comfortable within. And I'm not, you know, I think it would, it's just a mass that's taken... You know, he's been here the best part of 10 years. Um, Unheard you know, to of go these to an... days, that. Unheard of these days, that completely. Oh, crazy. To, to, to go to another club and do that from scratch is, yeah, obviously a huge undertaking. And I think he's always said it, it would have to be something really special. I, I always wonder about Blackburn, because that's his club. If they were to come in, um, you know, would that really test his resolve? But yeah, um, it, you know, the fit is just so right here. And uh, the grass isn't always greener. So, and he seemed to be one of those managers that actually thinks that there's a lot of managers that will say the grass isn't always greener, and then lo and behold, they've they've gone. Russell Martin, obviously, is one you mentioned there, and very much I, I put him in that category. Um, talk about building a project, MK Dons, and disappeared. But but Ainsworth has stuck around, and I'm pretty certain almost 100% of Wickham fans are happy with that. But just how important is it that Ainsworth stays? at least this season and, and maybe next season if he gets you up? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, like I said, because it has been so long, you know, I mean, I can hardly remember what it was like before him. You know, you, you can remember vaguely what it was like, but, it, it, you know, it's very much his club. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be... You, you see clubs recover after losing long-serving managers. Um but it takes a while. I mean, when I mean at this sort of level, Nigel Clough leaving uh, Burton's probably the most the, the best comparison. Uh, and they had a bit of a rough time before you know now getting things turned around again under Hasselbank, albeit he was the one that had done so well with them before. Um, but yeah, you, I don't know. You look at how United since Ferguson and I would say Arsenal since Wenger, but they were already on a bit of a downward curve. But yeah, you know, yeah, United's are probably an example. Um, yeah, I think it would as much as he'd leave a legacy and we've got the great owners and everything, you know, is sound financially and all of that. 
it would still kind of feel like the soul of being ripped out of the club because you know, you've, you've been here for 10 years, you've built this, it, it is yours. Um, and you can't say that for a lot of managers, I don't think. It's not truly their squad or anything necessarily. I think he's synonymous with Wickham, isn't he? I mean, um, people may look at Sonnen as a managerial merry-go-round in very much in the past, however many years it has been. But for me growing up, it was Peter Reid, and that's all I really knew. And obviously I grew up, I think Terry Butcher was the manager and then it was... Mick Buxton for a short time, and that was Peter Reid for the best part of a decade. And when he left, it was almost like, well, Reedy's not the manager. And it's for me to think of Ainsworth as not the, the Wickham manager just feels a bit wrong to me. So I imagine as he is kind of the soul of it, isn't he? He is kind of where all the good has come from. Not that he'll take that kind of praise because he wants to build that team mentality, but all the good has come from him in the time that he's been there. Yeah, no, precisely. Uh, uh, there was, you know, there was a time in the very beginning when pressure was on and had mm-hmm. we had money in the bank, had we been able to afford to, quite possibly would have sacked him. Um, you know, we stayed up on the final day in 2014, got to the playoff final the following season. And I think after that, again, the money still wouldn't have been there to change manager, but there, there was no desire to then. And then couple of sort of average seasons but then since 2018 when we come up to league one it's really just been all up since then um stayed up the first season went up last season looking strong again this season um you know that you get the odd dip stick who will come out and uh call for his head after a few bad results or you know they'll equally be absolutely lauding it when we're doing well it's classic fickleness isn't it Wonder if all that. <laughs> no, generally you, you would be hard pushed to, you know, you can hardly count on one hand the number of people who genuinely call for him to go in any season. Yeah, even at our worst. It feels like that. It feels like almost a hundred percent. I reckon if I if I surveyed a hundred people in terms of family fortunes, who uh, who would want him to go? I, I imagine there'd be very very few, if any, that would be happy to to see him depart. But onto the campaign itself. Like I say, you've, you've started well, um, almost to an extent expected because the squad's improved massively uh, since you went up. But an interesting stat I've seen when I was reading through the stats you, of games you've played so far is that you've had, not in every game significantly less, some significantly, but less passes compared to the opposition and less possession um, compared to the opposition. However, you've yet to be defeated. You've won majority of games relatively comfortably. Is that an indication that Wickham are happy to, to sit back and hit on the break, that you're a long ball team, or simply that you're just more clinical? I mean, yeah, we're still, we're not, you know, we're not as direct as we were in the days when Akin Fenwell was kind of the focal point and it really was, you know, route one. Um, yeah, we'll have the sort of outside centre-backs pushing on a bit and getting diagonals in from higher up the pitch and uh, the goal on Saturday gave him a cross from, you know, just outside the box. I mean, you've got sound folks in there. You want to be sticking crosses on his head. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're direct and, you know, you, we will look to get the ball forward quickly. Um, we have in Josh Scowan, I'm sure we'll come on to, and Curtis Thompson got a midfield pairing who really, you know, happily just break play up all day long. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Saturday we did play an extremely high line against Lincoln, so we're capable of that. It's usually high-ish and it's usually, yeah, it's try and get the ball forward quickly. Um, 
we, we, we won't sit back. Uh, well, we could. No, I, I wouldn't call it sitting back. There, there will be games where perhaps not so intensely pressing, and uh, yeah, you do play more on the counter. But generally, it is about get the ball, get it forward. Um, but we can make some nice passing moves in there as well. We've got like Gareth McCleary and Daryl Horgan who. Both really good. I mean, McCleary definitely is still too good for this division. Hawken, once he gets into his groove, will be. Um, yeah, so it, it's evolving. Um, there was a period last season where we had possess more possession than the other team for the first time in like 50 games or something. That was quite fun. <laughs> but yeah, generally, no, not, not a possession team and uh, not, you know, you look at the stats that show you how many moves of 10 or more passes have completed and we're always at the bottom of that so I think we had 10 or something last season you look at Norwich at the top of the championship and it's like hundreds and hundreds so yeah there's a contrast you play your strengths though don't you that's what, it's kind of what you do you play well, your strengths yeah. so you've kind of got to and, and, and Ainsworth will be well well rehearsed in, in doing that well versed sorry in doing that because of the time when he's had no money to spend and he's had to deal with what you've got now he's got a little bit more you can bring in the likes of Sam Wolks it's obviously allowing him to embellish on what he's done but still not exactly loaded at Wickham compared to some clubs in this division and that's just a simple fact but one of the players that he did bring in was Josh Gowan who you touched on before um free transfer from ourselves obviously he came to Sunderland with relative expectations that he would do well coming from QPR he was well liked the Barnsley he started his career at Wickham obviously um Sunderland fans I would say in the main never really talked to him I certainly didn't. Um, I was really not a fan of, of Josh Gowan, I've got to say. But obviously, Wickham fans are a fan of him. Hence, I doubt he would have come back. But what did you make of his return and how has he been since he's returned? I mean, he's been a player. You know, I think if he keeps playing as he is, he's going to have player of the season wrapped up by Christmas. And uh, that might sound like an exaggeration, but he's just... He's been good everywhere apart from the moment, so it seems. <laughs> he's come back a... Uh... A more, I think a more well-rounded player and, uh, you know, he's still going flying into tackles for the most part fairly, if firmly. There's a couple that make you wince and I do, I do, yeah, I, I can see him either having the game of his life or getting sent off for a two-footer after two minutes on Saturday. Um, but I do sometimes feel the same with Luke O'Neill having the potential to do that. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, no, he's not perfect wrong and, uh, yeah, I think, he, yeah, Break, breaking play up is what he's known for, but he's got that quick thinking to play the right ball afterwards as well. And uh, he says he wants to add a few more goals. Um, I mean, he described himself as a goal-scoring midfielder, although I think he was, I got the sense he was kind of tongue-in-cheek with that after he signed. But, uh, yeah, his shooting, I mean, he's not really had many attempts, actually, I don't think. I know Sunderland fans have said that could be all over though. <laughs> bad. His shooting is bad. I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Josh in that sense, I think when we got him, we were kind of he was indicated that he was potentially like a number four, number six style player that could maybe play on the right side of a the midfield. And and there was a point last season where Phil Parkinson, uh, bless his heart, or not, um decided he would be like Chris Maguire's competition on the right-hand side of like the midfield three and advanced. And it just never really worked for him here and, and there. And I think when he's gone back to Wickham, it seems that like he's playing a totally different position. Um, 
if I was to say to you from the Josh going that you're just going that you know that we've seen him as more or our managers seen him more as an attacking midfielder that would play on the right hand side, would that be the Josh going that you recognise from the first time? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I think he's. All, I mean, he's always put himself about. I'd put him more in the box to box mould, um, mm. and that's what he's. You know, this Curtis Thompson who will drop back more, scout and has a bit more license to get forward, but I wouldn't. No, I def, I wouldn't put him down as attacking. Um, I'm sure he's ever been massively. No, I think. I mean, yeah, he's. De- you definitely put him in a box to box sort of mould. He felt like the replacement for um, Dennis Adena, and we had on loan from Everton last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now Sheffield Wednesday, but yeah, he, yeah, he he will he will get forward, um, but that's not necessarily to get shots off. Um, just allowed to do defensive work higher up the pitch. Um, but no, I think he has got a ball on him. Uh, I think, yeah, if we lost all our set piece takers, he'd be a good fill in as well in that sense. Not shooting from direct free kicks, we're just putting balls into the box. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, put more, more of a number eight, I'd say. Yeah, I think it was difficult to describe Josh going out. I'll be honest, I'm not the. Wasn't the biggest fan of him ever, and I don't think a lot of Sunderland fans lost a lot of sleep when he went. But you always want to see a player if they leave. You know, you don't want to see them do badly. So it's nice to see that he's he's coping and he's doing all right. But you mentioned a player there before in, in Luko Nine. Now, I'm not sure where this came from, but there's been a debate recently about Luko Nine. I'll I'll put my I'll, I'll put my uh, I'll come off the fence. I, I really like him in any position. Um, He's played in a range of positions for Sunderland, almost everywhere but in goal. Played at right back predominantly, centre back an awful lot last season, left back at points. Um, when we signed him, we signed him on the second number ten. Obviously, got in behind Akin Fenwa and got goals. Yeah, out, out of contract in the summer. Um, I'm aware that obviously a lot of his game time at Wigan was in League Two, but he signed a new contract in the summer. It's quite well known that up until recently, Sunderland had no fullbacks and we had two midfielders fitting in. Luke O'Nine was still played in midfield, and it's you, you don't know this, but it, it feels like Luke O'Nine's been told you're going to play in midfield if you sign that contract. That's kind of the, the the truth, probably somewhere in between. But basically, we've played without a right back, and he hasn't got anywhere near right back and has played predominantly there for Sunderland. Um, it must be weird from a Wickham fan because we signed him for like 250,000 as this number 10 that was going to get in the box and get goals. And it's took three years on the line before he's eventually been played there. And some Sunderland fans are not too sure that's his right position. What did you make of the whole Luka 9 situation, the fact that we had him at centre-back and at, at right-back? Yeah, I think most Wickham fans would find that a bit weird. You know, I, I never would have, would have envisaged him, certainly not centre-back. Um, yeah. Full-back slightly this odd, but again, he was like that sort of Frank Lampard style, late arriving to the edge of the box and scoring goals from there, or you know, getting into the you know, getting into the box as well and uh, picking up the pieces. He, he was more he was more attacking than Scowen was, um, you know, borne out in his goals record. Yeah, I again not what not really watching, you know, having seen him there other than any games against us or televised games like the playoffs. It's, I've not really seen enough to sort of, uh, yeah, but it's a strange one. It's a strange one. I never would have, uh, there's some sort of switch to position that makes sense. And then some that just leave you thinking, huh? <laughs> and, uh, but it does sound like it's largely worked. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a surprising one. 
oddly in, in ways him as centre half alongside Sanderson really worked at points and I think it's a lot of people see him as a right back I, I believe that Jack Ross when he was here said that he believed he would go to the the championship as a right back if, if we didn't go up or you'd have a chance of playing as a championship right back and I think a lot of Sunderland fans don't see him as a midfielder and, and see him as a right back me personally, I don't think I've seen him enough in midfield to make the decision yet. I really like him as a player. I really like him as a person. Um, but we talked before about the way you play football. We were linked to, to Sam Volks in the summer. I don't think it was ever serious. He's obviously signed for yourselves. He's, he's had a difficult few seasons at Stoke, but Stoke's obviously a division above. He's got on the score sheet already. Uh, but which of the players that Sunderland should be most concerned about coming into the match on uh, Saturday? Uh I've already mentioned Curtis Thompson. I mean, him and Scowan together will just sort of, you know, turn the midfield into a bit of a war zone. Uh, Joe Jacobson, another fairly obvious one, probably from yeah. dead ball situations. And it's uh, been a while since he scored from a corner. So that's, although well, teams are, they should be wiser to it now. You've Doesn't done it. You can stop. You've done it now. You've said it now. So <laughs> he's going to score from you, a corner now. Doesn't mean you can stop him. Um, <laughs> I mean, David Stockdale's been brilliant ever since. Uh, so, I mean, Ryan Allsop was great last season. It got injured. Mm-hmm. Stockdale, who we'd had on loan and uh, before. I mean, he came in, was number one from about February through to the end of the season. Uh, signed on for another year. And, yeah, he's just been brilliant as well. So, uh, I've probably jinxed him horribly now. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, a great point-blank save on Saturday with, I don't know if it was his chest or his chin or what. Anyway, basically, it was the one really scary moment of that game. Um yeah, he, I'm just trying to think. I, I, this always feels odd to say one to watch and then the goalkeeper because he's not going to damage you in that traditional way. Yeah, um, but he's, he's got the history in that. He's had a few He's had a few difficult years, I think, where he hasn't really had a settled home. And, and up until recently, I think people almost forgot that he, he sort of existed. But he's, he's had the pedigree there for a long time. He's played at a, a much higher level than the two clubs currently find themselves at, don't they? Oh, for sure. And I mean, the same applies to Gareth McCleary, who... Oh, him and Scowan probably been the two players of the season so far and uh, you know, it's so like it's energy levels for someone who's 35 at the end of the season I mean you don't expect that I don't think necessarily but yeah he's um, you know he's played at the highest level played at Reading for years he uh, yeah he um, he played these sort of uh, two number 10s off of folks so it's quite a narrow front three um, in effect but yeah he's you know what he does off the ball as well his runs and stuff are just Kind of quality you don't get from a lot of players at this level. You, you know, you can tell he's you can tell he's played most of his career in the yeah, in the top two divisions. Um, yeah, so probably Vokes, McCleary, Scowan as your outfit, and then yeah, Stockdale. How is yeah. um, how's Daryl Hogan been doing? Because I remember when you first signed him. Obviously, people listening will know I live up in Scotland, and obviously he's very well liked the Hibs because he scored a couple of goals against Hearts a couple of seasons back. Um, Irish international. I always thought he was quite tricky and stuff when I've seen him. Um, yeah. how, how's, how's he got on? Because he's playing in a more central role and wide, isn't he, it seems? Yeah, I mean, he had a bit of a rough season in the Championship. Um, I think that was partly not helped by him playing a few different positions then as well. But uh, yeah, had a great opening game. Uh, then took a knock in the League Cup first round. Then, so he only came back off the bench in the week. Started again on Saturday. So it's kind of been a stop-start season already. But uh you know, I've seen more glimpses probably than we did last season. I think he just needs a solid run in the side. Yeah. Um, being down at this level, 
because I, when I, I last season, I think he played better for Ireland than he did for Wickham. Um, <laughs> he did. I mean, there's only a few games, but yeah, Stephen Kenny, Ireland manager, seems to be the big fan of his. We get the best out of him. Um, yeah, no, there, there's quality there. It's just kind of, you know, it might be the odd sloppy touch or loose ball, and but you know, once it comes together, and I see more signs that it will come together this season than they did last season. Um, you know, will be he'll probably be a key player as well. I think. He's a tidy player. He was good at Hibs. I think, um, obviously, mm-hmm. the goals against Hoss really helped that situation, um, <laughs> evidently. But, um, obviously, he he was really well-liked. And a few times I've seen him, he did do a job on the right or on the left as well. Obviously, he's playing a bit more central. But um, on my favourite part of the podcast, I always say this, and I don't know why it's my favourite. It just is. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, Sunderland are also in really, really good form. I'm super happy at the moment. Obviously, that might change if we get battered off Blackpool, if we don't. That's fine. The League Cup's not our priority this year. But we've strengthened a lot recently. Brought in Huggins at right back. Brought in Kirk and at left back. Obviously, we've got Ross Stewart playing well. People always point Aidan McGeady, who a little bit out of form, but it is what it is. But which players do you think have the ability to damage Wickham? Where you where are you weak and where do you think we are particularly strong? I mean, this isn't necessarily somewhere we're weak, but I just I think in previous games, O'Neill have got in on the sort of rustling and uh, shithousery, which yes. I'm not going to complain about because that's exactly what we do. And I love it. <laughs> we, know, we, we know where we learned it from. We, we often say, me me, and my girlfriend at the match often say he learned that at Wickham. Um, I think he should have realistically been sent off uh, last weekend, if we're honest. And a few seconds later, he dove into this tackle and he went down holding his leg for the best part of two minutes right at our end. And you could sort of tell he was waiting for the other lad to get a book in or for it to look like it was him that had caused like the foul before he got up and he got up as soon as the card was brandished. So I was like, mm, he's learned that at Wickham, I think. But you've got to have it. You've got to have it sometimes, say, especially at this level. I think I'd say we have, I mean, against Wigan, against Charlie White, we struggled aerially because we've, uh, so, I mean, looking at the aerial stats, Stuart as well is fairly robust um, yeah, been excellent in us. the air as well. And we've had, uh, it worked really well playing sort of one true centre back and two full backs in the back three. But against certain strikers, it's probably would be ideal to get another out and out centre back in there just to stop one of them being isolated. Uh, but luckily, Ryan Tafazoli is back playing tonight. So he could come in on Saturday. Um, potentially. I mean, he's an absolute unit in the air. I mean, he's Peterborough, didn't he? He was Peterborough and then Haaland. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I'd say a lack of height at the back is, you know, potentially look like a weak spot. Um, and again, just the, you know, not really through any fault of our own, but injuries, meaning we've had to chop and change the wing backs. And uh, Nick Freeman, who we always thought would become like a number 10, has been excellent, was excellent at wing back uh, on Saturday. They got absolutely crunched and went off injured. So I doubt he'll be involved. Um, but Jason McCarthy... Again, he's not involved in the League Cup game tonight, so it might be touch and go with him, which does potentially leave us with a soft spot at right wing back. Um, Sally Kai Kai, who came in not as a wing back at all, but he's been playing there. Did okay, but that's all I can say. I can't say any more than that. I mean, he had, he had a shocker against Wigan, uh, getting dragged here, there, and everywhere, and just created a great big hole on that side of defence. So, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting one. Uh, I've not actually paid enough attention to the game tonight to see who's actually playing wing back. 
Um, for the record, we're, we're both the same. I, I kind of, as we're speaking, Sunderland are drawn 1 1. I think Wickham are winning 1 0. So just so keep them the way we're at. Have scored, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. There is a podcasting. That isn't it. <laughs> like, like having a having a kind of half watch the match whilst you're also recording because you've got life getting in the way of podcasting, not podcasting getting in the way of life. I say, but just so people know where we're at, it's one nil Wigan at the moment as we speak in one one Sunday at half time. I think it's half time, half time one nil. There is a game of football going on. I'm just not remotely. I mean, I'll, I'll be completely fussed when we get through and get Arsenal in the next round. But uh... same, same. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll edit out all of me not caring about the League Cup too much when I, uh, when I, when we get further on in the competition. If we get the final and win it, obviously, I, I even cared about the Peter John Trophy, Papa John Trophy, Peter Trophy when we got oh, to the yeah, final. Yeah. That so, so I do care when you get further. Typical glory fan, you would say. But um, all about everyone jumps on the bandwagon at some point. Of course, you've got to if you get in the final, haven't you? Just a typical us that we would win there when we couldn't get any fans. But I got my first prediction right last week and I never get predictions right. It took me until April to get them right last week. So I don't think I'm going to be on a roll. I think I just got lucky. But I said 1-0 last week with the Wimbledon game. I think this week is far tougher. Do I fancy us to win? My heart says no. Sorry, my head says no. My, my heart says yes. So I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to say 2-1 to Sunderland. But, but where do you see the match going on Saturday, mate? So my heart probably says that way to Wickham, but I'm going to go with my head. And uh, But I'm going, to, I'm going to go one all, but I'm going to add a twist. Mm. So Scow and Ando nine to both get sent off. Oh, imagine that. It would just add to the... the, the the Wickham sort of Sunderland slight rivalry that we sort of found recently out of absolutely nowhere. Um, yeah, separate incidents, not, not, well, I don't know, maybe, don't know, maybe there'll be a 22-man mass brawl, you never know. Luke O'Neill's too nice for a uh, uh, mass brawl. Far too kind and far too nice. He'll do it in a sneaky way if he does it. But um, Tom, I really hope you don't enjoy Saturday for obvious reasons, but um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for previewing the game. Um, are you coming up at the weekend? I can't this weekend. I'm getting my uh, job, so important things. Very much important, yes. And it's also, <laughs> obviously at the same time, the second job, yes, go get go get your vaccine if you haven't. Um, on top of that as well, obviously Wickham is quite the journey. Um, I haven't it done is, it the other way around for obvious reasons, <laughs> mate. But, but Tom, where can, we find, where can we find your stuff for people wondering? Because obviously it's sometimes quite interesting to go into opposition fans' sites after we've played you. So where can we find you? It's uh, at... JJ's left foot on Twitter. And uh, yeah, as long as you're nice, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make any promises, Tom. Can't make any promises. But um, thanks to everyone for listening. As always, do subscribe if you haven't. If you don't, it's all right. I'll let you off. Um, how are you, the lads? I guess, as always, and fingers crossed for another three points and fingers crossed to get another prediction right. It's uh, been What the Fork. I've been Graham Fork. And thank you very much for listening. Sorry. <laughs>